Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. So good to be here. Hey, I just want to say, Ash and I, you know, this is our second week back since our holiday. It's like the first week that I've actually had a microphone. Uh, So I want to say uh, from both of us, just thank you so much for allowing us to have a holiday, a nice three week, three Sunday holiday. It felt like forever. It really uh, went a long time. We were up in Exmouth and we were fishing and spending days on the beach and it was actually our longest holiday since our honeymoon. Um, So that was really cool just to spend some time and Briar, our daughter, she turned one while we're up there. So we got to just really focus in on her, uh, which is really cool. And now we're back, ready to go. And man, it was such an awesome time um, that you guys had without us while we were gone. I was um, listening to some of the messages and, you know, some of the different topics that came up. One week you had Pastor Jordan Keehan from Global Heart. He came and preached on, was it repentance? Man, come on, that's awesome. And then you had on the back of that Pastor Sam Dix from Disciple House. He's a really good friend of ours. So I was really sad that I missed that. But he came and preached on the fear of God, which is an awesome, another big topic. And then Shay, our senior pastor, he came and preached last week on submission and the power behind submission and so really like three big topics and and I feel like the word that I've got today that's something that God has been growing in my heart over the past three weeks while we've been on holidays Ash and I we've been dwelling on this word and I'm really excited about it because it actually flows on really well from those first three messages um, I'm, I'm excited because I think it's not just a good word, but it's actually really um, it's something that has begun to shape us and the way we think uh, and it's something that we've carried in our hearts. And so, you know, I'm excited for what God's going to do in this message today. I encourage you, come on, let's lean in. You know, these are more than just, you know, uh, my words. I hope they're more than just my words. Otherwise, this would be empty. Um, and so I encourage you to lean in to what God is speaking to you. Maybe there's one or two things that God, you know, is highlighting to you through this message. Uh, but I really believe that when the Word of God is preached, lives are changed. And so come on, let's lean in. Like, let's just get on the edge of our seats. Let's get ready for God to come and move through us today. Is that cool? Come on, I'm just going to pray. Maybe you just want to get yourselves ready. Father, we just turn our eyes to you. We give you our attention. We give you our focus. And Father, right now, holding back nothing, we ask that you would come and move in us. Father, we give you access to all of our heart, all of our mind. Holy Spirit, would you come and move in us today? Would you come and just show maybe for some of us that you are real tonight? Maybe would you take us to another level of freedom for others? God, I just pray that you'd come and transform us and renew us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jess. Amazing. Um, worship team, killing it. So good, hey? Really good today. Come on, let's give them a hand. Like, just a little. I did just want to honor them because I know for a lot of those guys, they're on week to week because we don't have a massive worship team, but it's just so cool. And, and I think it's actually such a gift because they get better every week. Um, and so um, thank you guys so much for just putting your hands up and, and being on back to back to back to back sometimes um, to lead us in that. But who here is an indecisive person? Like, put your hand up if you know that you are indecisive. <laughs> All right, let me ask a few questions, and this will help, help us, you know, discover whether we are actually indecisive but in denial. Um, you know, when you, 
order dinner at a new place, um, maybe you are the last person to order, you know, like when you're ordering fruit. No, you're not the last. Okay. Maybe you spend longer, hey, Kobe at the back. Maybe you spend longer looking for the right movie than actually watching the movie itself. Hey, <laughs> hey, I, I, I'll put my hand up for that. Maybe when you're going out somewhere nice or, you know, you're trying to impress people, you try on two or three or five or eight outfits before picking the first one again and, and going with that. You know, these are hard decisions. They're important decisions. And I think it's easy to be indecisive about them. And it's sort of like you can't make the wrong decision. You can't watch the wrong movie. Don't make the wrong order. Don't wear the wrong outfit. They're hard decisions. But what about when it comes to the big decisions in our lives? What about the, the heavy things? Like, you know, what should I study at uni? Should I even go to uni? Should I accept this job offer that pays more, but I'll love it less? Or should I accept this job offer that pays less, but I'll love it more? Should I go on this date with this person? Or should we get married? These big life-altering decisions. Come on, it's easy to be indecisive. How do we make these big decisions? You know, maybe for you, you ask for a few friends' advice. Maybe this is what it looks like. You just go and ask a few people, what do you think? Get some advice, get some good opinions. Maybe you, you pray on it. Maybe you do a pros and cons list and, you know, write down everything and you're still, you know, in the same spot that you began. But I want to ask you the question, how do we know what God's will is for our life? Not just in the big things, but in the small things. How do we know what God's will is for our life? How do we make these decisions? You know, Ash and I, um, we're going to celebrate our third wedding anniversary. I can't believe it. it feels long and short at the same time. Um, but our third wedding anniversary in November. Uh, and marriage is great. I highly recommend it for anyone that wants to get married, that feels that on their life. Uh, but marriage is a beautiful image of the love of God um, that, that God has for us. It's a great opportunity for us to experience this relationship that God wants to have with us. You know, we are called to represent the love of God to our spouse. And so it's a really cool gift that you get. But there was this one thing in the first year of our marriage that I wasn't expecting. And, you know, in the first year of marriage, it's quite easy to upset your spouse. You, you know, you don't know quite where the lines are. And there's one day Ash was upset with me, and I went to go be a good husband and go inquire what I've done to upset her. And you know what Ash said to me? And it was the funniest thing. <laughs> it was funny to me back then. I still laugh about it. But it's, she said, you should just know. You should just know what I'm upset about. You should just already know. I mean, I knew I was meant to represent the love of God, but I didn't know that I also had to be all-knowing <laughs> and omnipresent. Like, how am I supposed to just know? Well, since then, since now a few years later, I do know somehow I've got that osmosis with my wife uh, and a few years have passed and, and because I've got to know her more and more each day, I, I do just know. I know her better. I know her expectations. I know her desires. I know her dreams. And so I sort of do just know now. But it's funny because our relationship with God is a little bit similar. You know, God invites us to have a relationship with Him that's really similar to marriage and a relationship with Him where we do just know His will, where we do just understand what God's plan is for our lives, where we, where we can decipher and discern what God wants us to do with our lives in the big things, in the, in the life-changing things, but also in the really small things. You know, God is inviting us to follow His way for our lives. 
You know, maybe it's in job opportunities. Maybe it's in, you know, dating or relationships. Maybe it's just in, do I speak to this person or do I speak to that person or do I invite them to church or, or something small like that? How do we know what God wants in our lives? How do we know what His will is for us in the big things, but also in the day-to-day, in the hour-to-hour, in the really small things? Maybe you've got a decision to make it work, and it's never even crossed your mind to ask what God wants to do through that thing. You know, maybe you've got an opportunity to speak to someone when you're catching a train or, you know, at work or at a sports club, and it didn't even cross your mind to think, God, who should I speak to today? You know, God has a will for our lives. And so how do we know? And this is going to be the Bible verse that we really spend the most time on today. It's in Romans 12, 1 to 2. And it starts off with two words. It says, and so. And I want to explain to you what that and so means. The and so means he's just come from the previous chapter talking about now that we have been saved by God's grace, now that we've experienced it and we know God's love and we know it's also for everyone else. And so we pick up. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a holy, a, a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he would find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Such a good Bible verse. The word will there means God's desires. It means his plans and it refers to decision making. It actually refers to making a decision, like when you're at a crossroads, when you need to make a decision. So knowing God's will means to know his desires, to know his plans for you. God's will is to fully give ourselves to him. So what is God's will for all of us? If we're going to broadly define it, it is to fully give ourselves to Him. You know, in light of the grace, in light of the fact that He has, you know, uh, opened the door to a relationship through Jesus, in light of that, we are to fully devote ourselves, fully give ourselves to God, and we're going to have this beautiful relationship that's similar to marriage where we give all of ourselves to God and, you know, God's infinitely big. So we spend our whole lives, you know, discovering more and more about who God is and it's this awesome relationship. And then from that place of fully knowing God's love and God's grace for us, we also discover that His love and His grace goes beyond us and it goes to other people. And from that place of having this beautiful marriage-like relationship with God, it overflows to our purpose. It infects our purpose to where we feel spurred on to go and make disciples of other people, to share God's love for them. So to put it really simply, God's will for all of us is that we would know Him and from that place that we would go and make disciples, that we would know Him fully, be fully known by Him and go and make disciples. You know, it's great to go make disciples. It's great to do that, but it does need to be from the place of understanding God's love and God's grace for you. And so that is what God's will is for us broadly. But we are individuals. In fact, the Bible t- talks us talks about us as a body and like how the body has many different parts and functions. And so although we broadly all have the same purpose, uniquely and individually we have different plans and purposes for our lives that God has set out for us. And so it looks different for each of us from the day to day. Although that defines us all, how does that 
affect my job decision? How does that affect these little tiny things, these calls I've got to make in my life? And so, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to break apart how to discern God's will. Now, we don't have the time here today to go through like, God's will for you is this, God's will for you is this, God's will. So what we're going to do is I want to break down that Bible verse to really uncover how we can each come away from tonight and put into practice some things that might help us on this journey of knowing more and more of God's will in our life. Is that cool? Awesome. So we're going to start off in Romans 12.1 in that first verse, and it says, Give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. This is truly worship. Give your bodies to God. This is true worship. So the first point is give God every area. You know, a moment ago we had a great, like, great songs of worship. But what this is talking about, this is talking about a life of worship. This is talking about more than just the 20 minutes at the beginning of a service where we get to have great worship. This is a life of worship from, from hour to hour, minute to minute. Give your bodies to God. You know, give your bodies to God doesn't mean getting Jesus tattooed all over your body. I mean, you can. Uh, it looks good. But give your bodies to God. Give your bodies to God. Who's got a Jesus tattoo? Hey, come on. <laughs> awesome. I didn't know. Okay, sweet. <laughs> um, give your bodies to God actually means to give God every part of our life. It's not just talking about our physical bodies. It's talking about everything physical on this earth. It's like give God every part of our life. It's helpful to draw it back to marriage. You know, when you say yes to marriage, you are giving your whole self to the other person. You're giving all of yourself to the other person. 24-7, 365 for the rest of your life, all of yourself to the other person. Legally, your assets are shared. Um, marriage actually means to join together to the point where you can't recognize the two different objects anymore. It's like they are the same. They are the same. So that's what it's, it's helpful to view this as marriage because you can't go into marriage thinking, I'll only be married, you know, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and the rest, I'm free. Or maybe, you know, uh, you know we'll just share every second paycheck. No, marriage is everything. It's, it's all or nothing, you know. It's, you can't just reserve a little bit. Uh, it's all or nothing. Marriage means everything. And marriages where that is the case, where there is things holding on, will end in breakdown. That's the result. And so it's really similar uh, with our relationship with God. In such a gentle way, God is inviting us into an intimate relationship. God God uh, gives us the invitation of relationship through Jesus. Jesus gave all of himself on the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that we can have relationship with him. And as a result, it's our turn to give all of ourselves to God. But instead of death, we get full and abundant and eternal life. So just like the only way to have a healthy marriage is all or nothing, the only way to have a healthy, thriving, full relationship with God is to give your all to Him. That's the only way. Sure, you can have half a relationship with God, but just like half a marriage, it's not going to work in the long term. It won't last. And, and this is a saying, and it's, it, you know, it's, a, it's a fun saying, but it's true. Casual Christians become Christian ca- casualties. And God has tons of mercy and grace, but the sooner you can give all of yourself to Him, the sooner you will, you will experience that full and abundant life. There's less hardship you need to endure. 
It's like if I said, I was going to sell you a house. I've got this awesome house. It's amazing, brand new. Um, just got built, great, great price. And so I'm going to sell you this house. It's going to be amazing, except I've got locks on that door and that door and that door. And so those rooms, those bedrooms are mine. And also that shed out the back, don't go in there. That's mine. And also the house is in my name. But, you know, give me the money. You can use it. You can have it. It's like you'll be like, heck no, I'm going to go buy a different house. I'm going to go get something that I can actually have. And it's the same with our relationship with God. Sometimes we'll be like, God, you know, have my life, have my life. But there's locks on some doors. There's, there's some areas that he can't go into. There's some things that we're not giving him access to. And what God is actually inviting us to, and this, this is a gentle invite. It's not, like a, it's not a, a forceful thing. He's saying, hey, the invitation is for you to give me access into all parts of your life all parts of your life. Give him every area of your life. To know the will of God actually requires us to go all in for God, to allow God into every part. How can we work in his purpose in our lives if he doesn't even have access to our whole lives? How, how can God take control if we're still holding on to the reins? You know, maybe there's some doors that need to be unlocked. Maybe there's some areas that... You know, maybe it's even been for a few weeks that, that God has been prompting you to let go of. And, you know, God is so great. His love is so abundant for you. And, and so there's no guilt, no shame. That's not of God. What he's actually doing is he's allowing you, he's inviting you to step into greater freedom in those areas. And so this is a freedom thing to take those locks off those doors. And last week, Shafin spoke an awesome message on submission. And lots of people made decisions to lay down areas of their life. And again tonight, we're going to give the opportunity to lay down maybe some areas of your life that you've been holding on to. Maybe some doors that have been locked. Maybe you've given God everything, almost. But there's one or two things that deep down that you know you're still holding on to. Maybe it's a really big thing like a job or a relationship or a career path. Maybe it's something more hidden like a thought process, a desire a negative thought, uh, an addiction, a habit, or, or just a comfort. And maybe it's not even something that bad, but God's just inviting you to lay it down for some reason. Maybe you've never even made that decision before to let God into your life, and, and you feel like this is the moment. You know, tonight is your chance to give all of yourself to God. Tonight, God is inviting you to take the locks off the doors to allow Him into every area of your life. And so what I... The first point, what I want to encourage you to do is maybe if you give all of yourself to God, He might have more access to work His will into your life. Maybe the reason that we don't know the will of God is just that first thing, that there's still some things that we're holding on to. Can I encourage you, let's lay them down tonight. Come on, God wants to work His will into your life, His good and pleasing and perfect will. So it's time to take some locks off the doors. The next thing is in Romans, in the next verse, Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. The next one is to change the way you think. Don't copy the behaviors or customs from this world. Just because it's normal, it doesn't mean you should do it. Just because society promotes it, it doesn't mean it's good. Just because you've always, you know, lived that way, or it's a part of your family culture, or you were just brought up like that. It doesn't mean we should copy them. Why? God's desire is for you that He would transform you into a new person. How? 
by changing the way that you think, by changing the thought processes. God wants to transform who you are. He wants to transform you into a new person, full of abundant life, full of hope, full of, of uh, you know, uh, just good things. It says good, pleasing, and perfect. And how does He do that? By changing the way that we think. Part of this journey to becoming a new person that knows the will of God is just to change some thought patterns. Now, in Colossians 3, um, 3, 5 to 10, but we're going to focus on 10, says, in, in verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to God, uh, whatever, sorry, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then in verse 9, it says, Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, uh, which is being renewed in, the knowledge, in the, renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So Paul uses very dramatic language. He's like, put to death the old self. It's time to put to death some things that belong to your old self. Some, some thought patterns, some, maybe some negativity, maybe some of that selfishness, maybe some of that jealousy that, that existed in your old self. It's okay, God has grace for you, but it's time for those things to, to move on. When, when you give yourself to God, they are no longer a part of your new self. And some of the things Paul lists in that verse, um, from 5 to, so what, Colossians 5, Colossians 3, 5 to 10, he, he lists some things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. And they were written to the church, to, to the Colossian church at that time. But I wonder if Paul was writing to our church some of the things he might have said, like comfort, like control, like social media, like warped identity. You know, it's time to put to death some of those old ways that belong to the world, that belong to society, that don't, that don't you know, cooperate with what God says about who you are and what you should do. You know, Paul's saying, rid yourselves of these things. Die to them. It's like dramatic. It's like, die to these things. Take them off. God is wanting to restore you to the way that you were meant to be as a representation of God himself. And so while these things still occupy a place in our hearts, we can never really walk in the will of God. These things will limit you from knowing and walking in God's plan for your life. And to break off some of these things, it actually takes putting on that new self that he's talking about. Put on the new self. It takes putting on the new self daily. The new self is found where? In the knowledge of God. In the knowledge of who God is. The more that you know God, the more that you're breaking down the old, the, the things that aren't of God. And so part of breaking this off is actually getting in the Word daily, getting in the Bible daily. Start thinking about, start looking into what God says about that thing. Maybe that thing you're struggling with. Maybe it's one of those words I read out, or maybe there's something that God's placing on your heart that you need, you need God's promises over. Maybe it's your identity and you need to know who God is saying you are. Start getting in the Word and start reconfiguring some of those thought processes. Maybe you need to walk through this journey with a Christian counselor. But, you know, the, the Word of God has the power. It has the power to break off old thought patterns. So they're the ones that Paul talks about. But there's one really specific thought pattern that I want to talk about tonight. And there's a thought pattern that, that maybe we, want, we might not even view as bad. But it limits our ability to walk in the will of God. And that is the thought pattern of success. The thought pattern of how we define success. You know how we define success will be the rudder for our lives. 
It'll be the thing that directs us, how we define a successful life. Our drive to succeed will direct our decisions, our desires, our thoughts. And it's so easy to adopt the world's definition of success. You know, pursuit of money and and financial security. When I am secure financially, I will have been successful. When I've reached this, when I've bought a house, when I've reached this number, maybe it's influence or followers or I need to be liked that is a definition of success. When I get this many followers or when these people like me, I feel like I'm successful. Maybe it's power, authority or position. When I'm there, when I'm that, when I have that role, then I am successful. Maybe when others look up, when others look up to me. Maybe when I've got a big family. Maybe when all these things, how we define success, will define what direction we go in in our lives. And I want to tell you that the most successful thing you can do in your life, above money, above marital status, above influence, above having a family, the highest, most important thing you can ever do in your life is to walk in the will of God. Is to walk in the will of God. That is how we should define success. You know, it's time for us to redefine success into walking in the will of God. Change the way you think. Change your thought pattern. What am I heading to? I want to walk in the will of God. You know, maybe attached to that, there are some things that we've, you know, we've defined success around bringing a certain amount of people to God. We've defined success and it's, it's subtly hidden. It feels like we're walking in the will of God, but it's really more about numbers or it's really more about tangible things. But what if God's will in this moment for you right now is not to have a big impact in the world? What if it's to be hidden away in the quiet space in preparation for what God wants to do for you in the future? And so we can't define success as numbers, not even as salvations, not even as baptism, not even as my whole family's Christian, I've done a good job as a parent. No, success is walking in the will of God. And there will be seasons of darkness. There will be seasons of of solitude. But can I tell you, in your life as a whole, when you define success as walking in the will of God, all those things will follow you. As long as you follow the will of God, those things will follow you. They're a byproduct. They're not the main thing. They're not what we're chasing after, but they follow you. And so can I encourage you, let's redefine success to walking in the will of God. You know, my desire uh, is to see the church grow. My desire is to see lives saved. My desire is to see people get baptized, to see multiply grow, to see dinner parties grow, to have the church have its own building and and, and for us to be stable and secure. But above all else, my desire, our desire as a lead team for the church is that we would walk in the will of God. And sometimes that will mean we won't always be growing. Sometimes that will mean we won't always see 20 baptisms. Sometimes that means we won't have any academy students. But we will be successful because we're walking in the will of God. Come on, let's redefine success. It's time to redefine success. And we'll get the band back up. And and the final point is in the last part of that verse. And it's really the answer. It is. Let me read out the whole verse real quick. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, let me plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a true, uh, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find uh, acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Here's our new verse. 
then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Good and pleasing and perfect. Now, last point is just to find delight in God. Find delight in God. Delight in God. No good, pleasing, and perfect things can only come from God. Maybe we need to change the way that we think a little bit. They're a part of His nature. They're good, pleasing, and perfect is who He is. They can only be found in God. And if you want those things, the only way is through God. So our instruction is to simply press into God and to delight in Him. And then we'll find those things. Then we'll know His will. And when we can delight in His way of life, the rest begins falling into place. His will begins to fall into place. When we delight in Him, we just enjoy it, we love it. The rest just falls behind. And the trouble where we get tripped up sometimes is that we view God's way as not as fun, not as great, not as glamorous, not as good, perfect, and pleasing to our way of doing life. I don't want to hand over this thing to God because then it will be boring. I don't want to hand over this thing to God because then I'll be poor. I don't want to hand over this thing to God because then I won't be successful. Hey, come on, we need to find our delight in God. Those things are a lie. It's actually a lie. The only way you can find good, pleasing, and perfect is in God. And let me tell you, there will be freedom in your life when you can redefine that delight, when you can can, uh, delight in God. And Ash shared such a great verse in our pre-service prayer. Hey, if you're a part of Ocean's Church, get here at 310 because we just pray and we get the, the temperature hot in this room, the spiritual temperature. And so if you're a part of our church, just get here at 310. We, we just pray into the service. And I shared an awesome word um, at, just before we prayed. And it was based in Philippians 4, verse 8 to 9. And uh, if you get anything from the message, uh, just have it rooted in this. And maybe this is your encouragement for the week. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think on these things that are excellent. Uh, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. Then God, the God of peace will be with you. Now fix your eyes and your thoughts to God. Find delight in God. When you can fix success to God, when you can fix yourself to God, the, the, the rudder of your life to God, then you will find those things. Then you will have the God of peace on your side. Now that's another way of saying that basically God will be with you. He'll be directing you. He will be working His will through you when you fix your thoughts and fix your eyes onto those things. You know, uh, when, I, when, when I get the word fix, I, I think of someone having like an old school poster and like fixing it with a nail to the to the wood. It's like it won't be moved. Fix your thoughts. It's like this is immovable. I'm fixing my thoughts. I'm not allowing those negative thoughts to get in, those selfish thoughts to get in, those old self thoughts to get in, those ways I used to think. I'm not allowing those old desires and dreams to get in because I'm going to fix my eyes, fix my thoughts into what God is doing through me. I I just want to end with this one thing, and I think it is the best example of how we can work God's will in our life. And and it's really this question. What if there's something in our hearts and in our lives that we really, like, it's just on our hearts that, that we want to do, but they don't line up with God's will? 
Like who can relate to that? Like there's something in my life that I wish it could be like this, but it, I just know that it's not what God has for me. Or maybe God's just asking you to lay it down for a season. You know, when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he, uh, he was about to be crucified the next day. And he knew it. He knew it. He knew what his job on earth was to do. He knew the will of God. And, and what did he do? He went up to a place where he could pray. And he went into solitude by himself to go and seek God and God's will. And he said, God, Father God, I don't want to go through this. Like if there's any other way that you can do what you want to do, God, would it be so? Like, would you take this away from me? I honestly just don't want to get tortured and crucified and die. Like, you know, it, that's sometimes how it feels for us. I don't want to go through this really hard time. And, uh, and, and so Jesus said, he said the first time, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet uh, not, not as I will, but as you will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And then he went back and he had a chat with his disciples and he went back a second time and he prayed. He said, and this time, you know, his words changed. He said, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken from me, taken away from me, unless I drink it, may your will be done. In other words, if it's not possible for any other way to happen, God, I just surrender myself to you. Your will is my definition of success. When I'm doing what you want me to do, that's when I am living my best life. That's when I am doing the best I can do. And you know, I'm pretty certain, pretty positive that God is not calling you to get crucified tomorrow. Uh, I can say 99.99%. Uh, our battles seem just a little bit smaller than that, but still maybe you can relate to the, to the anguish as well of just, God, this is in my heart. God, I, I, I want this, but ultimately your will be done. That's my success. That's my number one desire. I delight in you. I find my delight not in a thing, not in an outcome, not in a house or a family or money or a position or power or influence or being liked. I desire to be in your will. Come on, we stand right now. Now, in a moment, we're going to, um, we're just going to have a ministry time and, and it's just between you and God. We'll turn the lights down a little bit and, uh, you know, it's not going to be, it's just you and God. We're just going to allow you to come up to the front and just to make a symbolic decision to surrender your will for God's will. To say, hey, this is my line in the sand moment. It's a symbolic moment that I'm going to make a decision that I am going to pursue your will. And in, in a moment, we're going, to, we're going to have that. But before we do, I just want to give anyone in this place that has never made the decision to follow God. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been coming here for a bit, um, but you've actually never decided to follow God. Or maybe you've even just walked away from God for a season had a relationship, but it's been a while, and now you're back here. And I just want to give you the opportunity to make the decision to follow Jesus. And it's really simple. The Bible says you just need to believe that Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord, and confess it with your mouth. And, you know, from that place, you know, Jesus died on the cross, and He gave all of His life for you. And from that place, it's our chance to give our lives to God, to allow Him into our life, to take the locks off the door. And when we can do that, we have this awesome marriage-like relationship with God where we get to love God and God loves us. In fact, the rest of our life will be spent just understanding the, the enormity of God's love and His grace and His mercy for us. It's this beautiful relationship. And I've known it in my own life. I've been walking this journey for more than 10 years. And I want to invite you into this. It's the best decision I ever made. And if you want to make that decision tonight with every, eyes, every eye closed, I'm just going to get you to raise your hand really high just so I can see 
who I'm praying for. So if that's you and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, take the locks off the door. Maybe for the first time or maybe you're making that decision again. Just raise your hand nice and high so I can see who I'm praying for. Awesome. Maybe you want to make that decision in your heart, but you're not quite ready to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray over you. Father, I just thank you for for anyone in this room that wants to make that decision, anyone online that wants to make that decision that I can't see their hand or maybe they're not ready to raise their hand, but in their heart, they know you are God. uh, Father, I just pray that you'd become real to them in this moment. Thank you, God, that, that you've given all of yourself for us. And so, God, I just pray for these people as they open themselves up to you they would just be encountered with love and grace and mercy and purpose and identity. God, would it be a transformation purpose? God, I pray that for anyone in this room or online that has made that decision, that they will never be the same. They'll be transformed by the renewing of their mind. They'll be transformed by the knowledge that you are God. And yeah, Father, I just pray that they, they, they will be noticeably different, that they would, they would have a better grace to their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, well if there's anyone in this place that... Uh, I know I'm one of them, but if there's anyone in this place that just wants to make a symbolic decision to surrender to God, maybe you need to give God access to all of your life. Maybe there's a few doors that have been locked. You know, uh, maybe there's something you've been holding on to. Maybe you need to lay down some thought patterns, some thought processes, some old ways of thinking. Maybe you need to lay down your definition of success and, and redefine the will of God as your marker of success. Maybe you have viewed God's way as second best instead of best, instead of good, pleasing, and perfect. Maybe you need to delight in God again. If that's you, why don't you just come out of your seats and and just get on your knees before God as a moment of just saying, God, I surrender myself to you. Come on, keep coming, keep coming. If that's you, it's just a moment between you and God. Nothing else is going to happen. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.